grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, everybody. How's everybody doing today? I hope you said great. It's Wednesday. That much closer. That much closer to the weekend. It's a short week, though, right? Because everybody, um, the majority of everybody were off this weekend, right? Yeah. So it's, it kind of makes it good. You know, you guys only work for a four-day work week this week. Except for me. I work six-day work week. But anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you think you have a paranormal need, excuse me, my allergies, I was out working in my yard. If you think you have a paranormal need, we can help you out. Now, it might take us a couple days to get to you because California is a huge state. A lot of people don't realize that, but California is a huge state. So in that, if that if that scenario happens, we have psychics and mediums on staff who can phone you and talk to you about you know what you think might be going on. And in most cases, they can settle things down until we get out there. Okay, so don't worry. You know, we got you covered. We got you covered. Anyway, again, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host. And uh, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, please be sure to hit that like button and the smileys and all the hearts and all that stuff, because what it does is that there's an algorithm on Facebook. And when you do that, it puts us up higher in the algorithm so that more people can see our show, even, you know, even, you know, as, as we're doing it live right now, and even as after, after the fact, it'll get out to more people. So I'd appreciate if, if you would do that, if, if you like what you hear and see tonight. Also, if you haven't done so already, and you, you like what you, you hear and see, please be sure to uh, follow us over on Facebook, if you're on Facebook, because uh, we're always looking for followers, always looking to gain people, right? The more the merrier. Uh, the same thing with YouTube. If, if you're watching from YouTube and you happen to like and see what you, you know, you like what you hear and see, please be sure to uh, hit those thumbs up and the hearts and, and the smiley faces and all that good stuff. Because, again, the algorithms, that's how they work. The the more of those you tap, like, usually, like, an example is TikTok. The more of those you tap, the higher in the algorithm we go. The, the, the more we're out in the world and that's the same it works the same way on all the social media platforms so if you could do that i'd appreciate it and also same thing if you're watching from youtube you have to be watching from youtube tonight and you like what you see check check out the site we have 641 videos over there and they're all different topics i'm a journalist photojournalist and i hate covering just spooky paranormal topics i'd like to vary it like tonight's topic about paul mccartney you know i like to do different things right so please check it out. And, and what I've done, because there's so many of them, and usually when you go on the main page, there's like a hodgepodge of 600, you know, and some odd videos. It's just crazy. It'll give you a headache, right? Give you a migraine. So what I've done is I've taken and I put them into categories. And so they're in categorized folders now. So you can go directly to what you want to see. If you're a big fan of uh, Medium Nancy Matz, you can go to her folder and find all her shows there. If you're into uh, UFOs and, and abductees and contactees and things like that, you can go to that folder. So it's a lot easier to find these, you know, to find these shows. Okay. So uh, please do that. And if you like what you see, why don't, you know, go ahead and subscribe. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe. So, uh, you know, because we're always looking for subscribers as well. And that'll notify you when we have new shows and stuff coming up. I'm also very active on the community page over on uh, YouTube. So, uh, yeah. So if you can help us out and subscribe, that would be great. Quick reminder, uh, June 10th at 1 p.m. Pacific, I am teaching a psychic development class on protection. And I already taught the basic class, and I'm going to teach a more advanced class in where we're going to talk about what the gemstones do, you know, what, what powers they have, because there's actually, you know, I had to learn this. Uh, there's, this there's, there's stones for your blood pressure. There's stones for your kidneys that, and stuff that, 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 that you can utilize that, that might help you feel better if you, if you have problems like that. I'm not saying they do. I'm just saying... It's, it's, it's what they're supposed, you know, it's, it's what the healers say they do. So, yeah, join me for that. And uh, I want to teach you guys uh, ways to protect yourselves while you're out and about. And when you're at home, you know, I'm going to teach you how to make things like medicine bags and teach you how to make things like talisman for your houses and, and what, what, you know, how to put salt properly in the corners of your houses to protect you and keep, 
keep unwanted energies out. So that's going to be June 10th at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific. And you find that over at the California Haunts Paranormal, Investig Paranormal Investigation Team meetup page. And then just check out the calendar of events. And that's where you'll find the event. Okay. That being said, I'm excited about my guest tonight. I grew up a child of the, of the 70s. Okay. I, I grew up all through the 70s. And um, my sister and my brother were children of the 60s. So as, as I was growing up, I, could, I would listen to their music. And I remember the Beatles. I remember the Carpenters. I remember, you know, all these different groups, the Rolling Stones. And what I remember mostly was I remember the White Album. I remember seeing it, picking it up and holding on to it. And as I got older, I used to hear this rumor. I used to hear the rumor about Paul being deceased and how there was a, a, a body double replacing him in the group. And I remember the whole thing too about the White Album when they when, when people would play it backwards or, or certain people would play it backwards, and they would hear the Paul is dead message on this White Album, you know. So it's it's very very weird time, and and it's amazing how stories like that get started, you know. And my guest tonight, Donald Jeffries, has done research into that, and that's what we're going to be discussing tonight is that rumor of Paul being dead and and, and how it started, where it came from, and 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 where where it's led, you know, and, and what's going on with that today, right? Because we know Paul McCartney's, well, who the man we think who's Paul McCartney is probably what in the seventies, close to seventy by now, and so you know it's 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 very interesting. So without further ado, let let me bring in Donald Jeffries. Hello. Hi. How you doing? Good. How are you? Okay. Thanks for having me. Tell me about you, sir. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. Um, this new book uh, it, uh, about the Beatles, which is a little bit of a departure for me, uh, the the book that I that I've co-written with Bob Wilson that we're going to discuss is from Strawberry Fields to Abbey Roads, uh -huh. a Billy Shear story. Uh, but I, I've written uh, this is my eighth book, so I go back. I have uh, my bestsellers, Hidden History. Uh, a modern expose, an expose of modern crimes, conspiracies, and cover-ups in American politics. I wrote Survival of the Richest. Uh, I wrote uh, Bullyocracy about bullying in schools. I wrote uh, On Borrowed Fame about uh, the money mysteries and um, corruption in the entertainment world. So I, I write about a lot of different subjects. And um, so this is really, uh, but this is a bit of a departure from me. It's mainly my co-author's uh, idea, Bob Wilson. Mm -hmm. And what, what we did, we basically... Got lots of celebrities and people within the music industry. Uh, we had a member of Wings, you know, Paul McCartney's later band. Uh, we had a member of the Love and Spoonful, a big group in the 1960s. Uh, people from shows like The Brady Bunch and Lassie. Um, actors like Sally Kirkland, who's an Oscar-nominated uh, actress. So we had uh, uh, Fred Labore, who was the one who's credited. He doesn't do many interviews. He's credited with inventing this legend they're supposedly you know wow. for, for promulgating the clues he doesn't give any interviews uh, we have tony peck anthony gregory peck legendary actor's son so lots of interesting people and they're giving their opinions on this and uh what they think of it and what they're uh how the beatles impacted their lives well let's talk about this a little bit in that how did this get started obviously you, you mentioned the gentleman's name but why would he start something like or say something like this? Well, I don't I don't necessarily he, he's given credit for it generally because uh -huh. he's the first one that really uh, <clears throat> it, it's picked up steam when he wrote a, um, a story in 1969 in uh, that appeared in the uh, University of Michigan's uh, student newspaper. But he claims he got the idea when he was listening to a radio station and a caller called in talking about it. So obviously it was out there before that if some uh -huh. caller. We don't know who that caller was. And I go into the history a little bit and uh, we go into the history a little bit in the book about how there, there were suggestions of it out there already. And it's like a lot of urban legends where sometimes it's hard to, to tell where it got started, mm -hmm. you know, so, but it's like somebody who come up with a new expression or something and it just, it's all over the place and you're not really sure who, who actually started it. So I think that's the case here, but I think that uh, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to put any spoilers out, but my co-author and I don't, right believe that Paul's dead I'm, you know so I'm, I apologize if you people do but um <laughs> but we we do think the the uh the clues are very real and I I think that the the only logical speculation is that the Beatles themselves 
knew what they were doing and they put these clues there kind of the public relations thing. I can't prove that, but right, right, right. I, I, I think that's, I think they, cause in 1969 uh, interest in the Beatles was kind of lagging. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are, although people now look at it, they're, they were putting out more sophisticated music and mm-hmm. critically uh, better, but uh, from the early Beatlemania days, uh, that's when they had, you know, all their tons of hits and, by 1969, they were kind of all going down their individual paths. You mentioned the White Album. The White Album is a great album, but it's right. it's basically split up between them. You know, they're doing their own thing. You know, they're they all had a George had this backlog of songs, and John and Paul are splitting it up, and they're just individually doing mm-hmm. things, and it worked well. But uh, people, you know, like the White Album didn't. I don't know, kind of. I guess I don't know. Back in the USSR was a hit or not, but I mean, it didn't really have the singles on it. You know that you typically would have on uh, most of the uh, previous albums. So this, if this was time to be something to help uh, reignite interest in the Beatles, it certainly worked Uh because, you know, that's what it reignited my interest. And uh, as a little kid and uh, I uh, said, well, I've got to go look at the Sgt. Pepper album. What's what's on that cover, you know? And um, yeah, something like that. Most of the clues probably came from Sgt. Pepper, which is considered Uh an iconic album. But again, if you look at it, um, you're you're struck by the oddity, and it's it's a kind of a resting view with all these uh, often kind of obscure celebrities that are you know the images are there, but there's a funereal aspect to it. You look at it, and it's, it's all built around the, what looks like a large funeral wreath at the bottom, and it's it's in the form of a bass guitar, which is what Paul played, and it only has three strings. Mm-hmm. One of them's missing, like one of the Beatles is missing. So. Right from there, it was easy to start looking for other clues like that. And, you know, we go over them in the book and uh, I'm sure people have their own favorite clues. You mentioned playing records backwards and Strawberry Fields. I think I buried Paul and some of the other things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think those are quite as obvious as uh, because sometimes people hear what they want to hear. You know, because what, what is it? I, I, John Lennon claimed that I buried Paul. No, that's cranberry sauce. You know, he kept saying, and you know, they, they sound very similar. You could mistake right. one for the other easily. So exactly. um, now why it was even cranberry sauce, I don't know. But um, but so there's these clues are uh, there. But the, the whole the legend is very interesting. And um, one thing I tell people, if the people that actually believe this, I said, or or not, if you, the timeline is, if if the real Paul supposedly died, I think November 9th, 1966, in a car accident. Well, at that point in time, John Lennon was still the leader of the, of the, of the Beatles. It was still his band. In the early years of the Beatles were dominated by Lennon. He wrote most of the songs, sang most of the vocals. Beatlemania was, was, was Lennon-centric. But uh, by that time, it was shifting a little, but not really. But afterwards, if you if you look at it and, and somebody named Billy Shears, I mean, the, the story goes that William Campbell, also known as Billy Shears, who won a lookalike contest for Paul McCartney, uh, was chosen because the, the Beatles thought the other Beatles thought their fans would be so distraught. So they had to replace him. So and he just happened to look just like him, play left handed bass and write all these songs. And but he didn't not only did that, if you look at it that way, then you would have to say that Billy Shears was better than Paul McCartney because he took over the band. I mean, those when he came aboard, that's when Paul took over. Yeah, Lennon was a heroin addict and he was distracted by Yoko and all that stuff. He lost his prolific songwriting. So Paul filled the void there. But Billy Shears, if that's who it was, that's I mean, you're talking about Sgt. Pepper was mostly a Paul album. Okay. Abbey Road was mostly a Paul album. Well, uh, you would have to say that was Billy Shears. And so people don't sometimes think that, you know, is that you, if, you, okay. if you're thinking this, then you would have to say that not only did this guy look like him, sing like him, but he was good enough that he apparently put out even better work. And the question I've asked is if this guy was hanging around, he was that good. Why wasn't he fronting his own band? Why, why do you have to be relegated to winning a Paul McCartney look like contest? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I just find I just find it interesting how these things percolate, you know. The, the, the stories come out, you know. There's just and it's like that even now, you know. These conspiracy theories that keep coming out, and it, and it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And in this case, it's just like you say, it, it started. Somebody heard something on the radio, and then it goes from there. Right. Well, I mean, I, and m- m- much of my writing is uh, conspiracy, anal- conspiracy analysis. I'm like Gore Vidal. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm a conspiracy analyst. Mm-hmm. Because 
I think, uh, you know, I think the people that rule us are largely conspirators. That's what they do. They don't know any other way to act. You know, they're constantly conspiring for their own ends, usually against the interests of the people. But in this case, um, I, I, you know, I, I never discount anything totally because I, I look at the clue in there. There is something to be said for, again, the later McCartney versus the early McCartney. There was a difference. But you would have to say that the because the later one's more celebrated. Mm-hmm. that you would have to say, well, the imposter was more talented than the original. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I can accept it. And, and, and then the other thing is uh, McCartney's uh, solo career, which I'm, I'm not a, you know, I'm a Lennon guy. So I'm not, my, my co-author Bob Wilson is a McCartney guy. So we argue a lot about that, but uh, I'm not a big fan of McCartney's solo work. And so I could be convinced if someone could make it more logical that hey, this is, you know, this is an imposture and look how, you know, look at how crappy a lot of his solo stuff is, but that's not the way the theory goes. And uh, it's, uh, and also the timeline isn't exactly, you know, where you would need to be because uh, some, some, some good, really good songs came after, uh, you know, McCartney would have died. So it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, an imperfect theory, but, and I also say, you know, I could be, if, if someone could prove to me that, uh, you know, come up with some theory and say this was a secret cloning thing, you know, where mm-hmm. we had to say, I, I would buy that, you know, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Certainly they, had, they would have to cover that up probably. They couldn't say that they had cloning, but that's not instead saying, you know, this guy, we want to want a lookalike contest and he happened to be, you know, sure you can, you know, they, they, they analyze the ears and a mole on the chest. And I go into all this in the, in the book and, right, and right. but you know, it's, <laughs> It's a pretty good impersonation, if it's an impersonation. Let's put it that way. Well, you know, when you think about the older music, and this this is, I mean, look, look at Elvis. At some point, they grow, the, 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 their tastes changed. You know, they, they start to mature more, and the music changes. The music style changes. I mean, Elvis, when he did the 69 or that special, the 68 TV special yeah. after he got done, his thing was, I'm not going to be jumping around the stage like I used to jump around the stage. Right. It's just not going to happen. And as Paul got older, obviously his, you know, he matured and, and his stuff started to change. And then people right. just took it the way they took it. Right. No, they did. And and so it's, uh, but it's, um, you know, people had their tastes and I, I've done some interviews where people, you know, when I was bad mouthing his solo music and people say, mm-hmm. Oh, I love these songs. And I said, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Individual taste. You know, I mean, it's not, nobody can prove what song is better. You know, it's, it's the beauty of it. You know, what it's what appeals to you. But um, I think, but you know, if you can, if you look at, we go over all the, the history of it in there and there are, you know, I, I, again, I think for whatever reason, we look at the way the Beatles have reacted to this, uh, both Lennon and, and Harrison put out, and I have their quotes in the book. Uh, we mm-hmm. have their quotes in the book that are kind of angry responses to it. Like, how could you be so stupid to believe this? You know, both of them kind of saying that this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Lennon is playing around with it as late as the White Album. Because in mm-hmm. Glass Onion, you know, he's, he comes up, you know, the lyrics is that this is, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. And of course, one of Fred Labor's, I do think it was something he made up, was he came up with that the walrus was like a symbol of death somewhere in the world. There's no evidence for that. And mm-hmm. and if you notice, like uh, the, the hand is over McCartney's head on the cover, too. Somebody's holding a hand. And so Labor, I think it was, it said, uh, well, that's the Welsh symbol of death. Well, who knows what the Welsh symbol of death is? But there's no evidence for that. But it, it sounded cool. Right. You know, to people right. back then. Oh, OK. Well, he's saying that. And then you have things like... Uh, McCartney's response when he has addressed it uh, hasn't, hasn't exactly uh, been something that reassures you because like uh, in one of the, I think one of those glaring instances, uh, the Beatles had a video for a Magical Mystery Tour, uh, I think it was Your Mother Should Know, where they're all dancing around what what uh, John Lennon used to castigate McCartney for his granny music, you know, one of these old fashioned songs that Lennon clearly hated, it was awkward dancing around and doing this kind of vaudeville type of thing that McCartney loved. But um, in the thing, they're all wearing red roses except Paul in, in their lapels, but Paul's wearing a black one. Well, he must be dead, a black rose, right? So McCartney, when they asked him about it, he actually addressed it and said, well, we, we ran out of, re- of red roses. Well, that's ridiculous because in the video, they're they're running around with the wheelbarrow throwing red roses in the air. Mm-hmm. So they obviously had an extra red. So that doesn't make any sense. And then on the Abbey Road cover, that's another you know big clue when they're walking across mm-hmm. Abbey Road and Lennon is dressed as the grave as the um, uh, preacher 
Uh, George is a grave digger. Uh, Ringo is supposed to be the mourner. And Paul's a corpse, of course, because he's not wearing any shoes. He's barefoot. Right. Well, they asked him about that. And he said, well, it was a really hot day. So I kicked off my sandals. So you kicked off your sandals and walked across hot pavement barefoot? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that that doesn't make any sense. So, again, I think that they're, they're playing. They're having fun with it and playing with people. And uh, it's not like they, you know, it would be a crime mm-hmm. if they did anything like it, you know. But uh, that's what I think. I don't know. And I don't and I know the. They can be litigious, so I'm very careful what I say, but I don't know anything, okay? I'm not saying anything. I'm certainly not saying that this is true, (laughs) and I'm not saying that the Beatles definitely knew about it. Maybe it was just crazy people that that found these things and made something of it. But like you say, if they made it up or their manager made it up, you know, if Epstein made it up as a PR ploy to sell more records, what what a terrific ploy. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better ploy. Yeah, no, it was. That's why I said it was brilliant. If it was a public relations gimmick, mm-hmm. it was brilliant because it did. Because uh, the Beatles again, it changed. If you, you know, Beatlemania was, uh, and that's still the, the. I like the early Beatles, uh, Beatles the best. And again, it's probably because I like Lennon, right. and it was Lennon centric. But um, although Lennon hated what he did, Lennon was a great pop smith, and they created a unique sound, poppy sound. You know, they made the Stratocaster guitars, you know, famous. And all that. I love that sound. And uh, that was what people, that's what created Beatlemania. Beatlemania right. wasn't over Sgt. Pepper. And Sgt. Pepper was critically acclaimed. It sold lots of records. By the time the White Album, yeah, they weren't even really putting out hits. Mm-hmm. And um, that was more of a, like, you know, uh, 70s type, even though it came out in 68, mm-hmm. of uh, album rock, you know, that the uh, the album, the, the, the uh, progressive stations used to play. But um, so, they had clearly, in terms of, you know, all those screaming girls and everything that, that made them, you know, the fanatics and, you know, that was kind of made, they're rushing the stage and all that. They weren't going to do that for those songs. And they and they had one of the big clues, supposedly, is that, you know, they maybe that's why they made it up. They did stop touring in 1966. So if, if McCartney died November 66, they never toured after that. Mm-hmm. So Fall or Fake Paul or whatever would have never been on stage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, I don't know how anybody could have told, told the difference, but he, if, if they had toured. So that they, uh, that's one of the clues that uh, the people that promote this theory use while they stopped touring. And not because they were fed up with you know people screaming and they couldn't hear what they were doing and they just the, the madness going through it all. They wanted to go to the studio and create, you know, use uh, studio work and innovation with George Martin and all that stuff uh, and uh, create a different kind of music. No, no, no. They'd, they'd stopped touring because uh, Paul was dead and they knew they couldn't. They couldn't use fall on stage. That's that's the theory. But uh, it does coincide with them stopping uh, touring in 1966. But their their music was already changing. But um, mm-hmm. certainly by 1969, with this, you're talking about they only really had, uh, I guess, uh, let it Abbey Road and let it be. I'm not sure. Yeah, with, I th- well, I think Abbey Road was just coming out. I think that's what uh, because that, I believe that's what uh, Fred Labore was writing um, the a review on. And he turned it into a Paul is Dead thing. So you basically had Let It Be in Abbey Road, and that was it. So the Beatles mm-hmm. were gone. But it, it reinvigorated interest. And and I don't know how many sales it created, but at least for a time, it, it caused people to go back and, and look because they were, if nothing else, they were buying these because you had to get, buy them to look through the album covers and the inside photos and all that stuff and listen to the record backwards and all that. So it's it uh, they put a lot of stuff out there and people again started seeing more and more things the license tag and the Volkswagen on the Abbey Road cover and mm-hmm. I discuss it all in the book I mean a lot of it I think is right. you know kind of, kind of out right. there but uh, it it op- certainly opened the door for all that. Well, I was just thinking when you were talking about the different styles of music that the guys had that's but that's with it that's with every group you know what I mean I mean yeah. you, you look at Kiss and Paul Stanley loves jazz who would have figured. You know, mm-hmm. and he toured. He even he even is 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 lead singer for for a jazz group. So I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's nothing new to have different tastes of music in in, in in bands like that. Yeah, no, certainly, and and I think that um, again, it's like it's it's kind of like actors, uh, TV actors. I mean, how many people, how many actors have left a, a very popular TV show? Uh, because they wanted to do real acting on, you know, in the movies or even on stage, you know, to be uh-huh, really pretentious because uh-huh, uh-huh. they don't consider TV 
really acting. It's the same kind of thing. I think Lennon, especially, and again, uh, he, for whatever reason, he didn't recognize his strength, I don't think, but he didn't like that kind of poppy stuff that he wrote very right. better than almost anybody. Right, right. Uh, and uh, for whatever reason, he did, he rejected that. And um, the Beatles and Harrison didn't, you know, wanted harder stuff too. Ringo didn't care. And McCarty could go because McCarty liked the poppy stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. he wanted to experiment more. But I think, yeah, you're right. They did. They didn't want to do. And, and by that time, album rock was coming in. Uh, you know, top 40 was kind of being phased out in terms of importance. And uh, whereas, you know, the early 60s, that was all important. You didn't really have mm-hmm. album rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the Beatles were one of the first ones to put out, you know, with a revolver and rubber soul uh, albums that were uh, along with the Beach Boys and uh, Pet Sounds. Mm-hmm. that were uh, celebrated as albums, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, that's just the rest of the tracks we threw on there around the, the one or two hit records we had. The right, right. But so things had changed and uh, they were, and certainly if you look at their careers, they all had hit records, but um, you know, George Harrison's first solo effort was all things must pass. I think it was a four record set. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was, uh, yeah, it did have my sweet Lord, I think and what is my life on it, but um so those those things and, and both and, and Lennon especially again was producing more album rock. Mm-hmm. McCartney as well, he had more hits. But yeah, it, it's they definitely had changed. There's no question about it. But you're you're right that that's kind of a natural evolution for most uh, musical artists. Well, I'm thinking about it, and you talk about that that style of music, and I, I, it makes me think back to when I was younger and bubblegum pop when that came out. You know, mm-hmm. and everybody was sure. doing that, and even the right, even the heavy metal bands. We're doing something like that, or when they went through the girl thing, where they were all wearing makeup and and all this other stuff, like Twisted Sister, you know, all these other groups. So I mean, at least the guys, you know, even separately or whatever, were, were able to go with the flow. You know, they have to. You have to evolve to go with the flow. Otherwise, you get stale. Nobody want you know. Nobody wants to hear the old stuff all the time. Sure, and there's. A, I mean, I that was the subject of my book on bar and fame. I I talked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is related to this in, in some of the, because I talked a little bit about the Beatles in there, but I, I um, talked to a lot, a lot of people of uh, music, people who had been in bands in the 1960s that sold millions of records and had been on t- television shows in the 1950s and 60s and 70s. And uh, there's so many of these people that don't get the chance to evolve because they, they have a really brief career. They have uh, you know, a couple hits, maybe a couple hit records, a couple albums, and that's it. And then most of the time, um, more often than not, they're ripped off. They turn around, they, they don't get royalties. And uh, later they end up working regular jobs and you, you correspond with them and you can see they're understandably uh, frustrated about that. And the uh, same thing with the uh, television shows. You know, one of my one of my good buddies now is Susan Olsen, who played Cindy on the Brady Bunch. Right. Her and I have really hit it off well. And, uh, you know, I talk to her a lot about that. And uh, there's, you know, those television shows, even though they're still shown in syndication all over the world, those actors don't haven't gotten anything for it since I think that most of them get paid for like the first seven reruns. Mm-hmm. That's it. They other than that, but the producers continue to get money, and uh, so uh, it's it's really unfair. And that was that was basically the the subject of on Bard fame. And even even the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, the biggest groups in the industry, I think they were paid one or two pennies a, a, a record mm-hmm. as royalties, and they had to divide that up among all the band members. So. Mm-hmm. You do the math, how many records you would have had to sell. So they, they made their money with touring and merchandise and all that stuff. If, if they mm-hmm. were around long enough and some some acts like the Beatles, unlike the Beatles, some acts never got to have those lucrative uh, touring careers because you know, they didn't really have enough material where people would go pay good price to watch them play. But um, so that's, um, you know, but it's an, it's an interesting subject and uh, it's uh Lots of people are still interested in it. You're talking about uh, it would have been uh, almost 60 years yeah. since since uh, Paul, the real Paul, would have died. So, uh, uh-huh. so yeah. uh, it, and people are still here. Here we are still talking about it. And I was just thinking when you were talking about the royalty thing, I remember a story about Henry Winkler, uh, you know, when he signed on to Happy Days. And I don't know if you've heard the story about he did not want to be paid. He wanted to make royalties and they thought he was nuts at the time i don't i well i didn't hear that I, but I, I, that's great for him if he did because and some of those people did um did have that arrangement mm-hmm. and got a cut i think uh, don adams on get smart i think he did mm-hmm. something like that but uh, on the other hand you had people like uh uh the cast members of star trek and i think bonanza 
who both took a lump sum. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who, who knew that they, you, people, again, same, just like we're still talking about this 60 years right, later, that right. people all over the world are still watching these shows 60 years later. That was a subplot of that book is that people are, uh, people are, I mean, you go back to the Three Stooges and, and uh, uh, Little Rascals. And, and again, I, I was fascinated by this. I talked to uh, um, uh, Cur- Curly Howard's great, uh, Curly Howard's grandson, who, t- who was, you know, tries to do kind of a Curly thing. He's trying to make some type of living on it, but he didn't inherit any kind of fortune. And mm-hmm. uh, same thing with certainly the Little Rascals. I mean, those, those, none of them made any kind of money because their careers were over before they were 10. Right. Very few of them went on to adult stuff and they were paid well for the time, but that's what I just, I'm drawn, I'm drawn to them. I, I usually try to write to expose injustice and unfairness right. and corruption. And I just think something so unfair about, you know, say like, uh, and really the inspiration for that book was Spanky McFarley was the most famous member of the little rascals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, he grew bitter as he got older and understandable. So I saw an interview with him and I thought, God, I, you know, at the time, my wife and I had just gotten married and there was a little restaurant around the corner from our townhouse uh, called Spanky's Clubhouse. Uh-huh. It was clearly his likeness on it. And there were other restaurants like that. And he uh-huh. was suing one in New Jersey at the time he died. And uh-huh. uh, because they were using, appropriating his likeness and uh, certainly the Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, all these people that were decades removed from being famous. Right. But, baby boomers they started rerunning these shows in the 1950s and 1960s on television and you know most little kids didn't even realize oh curly my favorite three stooges he's been dead for a long time you know we love him you know that kind of thing and uh that they got nothing out of this and it's it's just it's to me it just seems really unfair and if it hadn't have been for uh the fact that the beatles did, did have a manager brian epstein who didn't right. apparently didn't seem to have taken advantage of them at all which is kind of unique. Most of those managers did. And he did a really good job of promoting them. So if he, uh, but I think along the timeline, he would have, uh, I think he would have been dead along here. So I, I, I'm not sure where that stands, but I, I don't think most people think he was, would have been involved in coming up with the Paula's dead thing, but um, not to say we wouldn't have been, it, does, it sounds like a great publicity. So that yeah. would be something he might've done because he was really good at publicity, but he, he saved them from being another act that uh, you know, one, two, one to two cents royalties. I mean, even though all the money, they, all the records they were selling, hmm. nothing. And then, and then, you know, in the case of the Beatles um, songbook, you know, the, the way that it works in the industry, these people lose control of their own songs. Like the McCartney, the Lennon McCartney song catalog is the most valuable in the business. I mean, how many songs did they write? And uh, the Beatles, uh, Lennon was already dead, and and McCartney, uh, they lost somehow. They it expired or something. I, the way these uh-huh. things, and uh, so and then Michael Jackson ended up buying it, right? So, so it just it doesn't that just doesn't seem right? How do you not have control of your own songs? And uh, you know, but but McCartney gobbled up Buddy Holly's catalog, which was pretty lucrative too. So uh-huh. that's how it works there. And so it's it's hard to feel sorry for people at the Beatles level because they're all. You know, McCartney would be a billionaire if you or whoever it is, <laughs> Fall or whoever would be a billionaire if he hadn't have uh, married the, the, the you know Heather Mills who uh, uh-huh. and, and somehow <laughs> not got her to sign a uh, a prenup agreement, which is still one of the most incredible things I've ever heard. Right, right. So isn't it um the 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 way royalties work as far as like like ownership of songs and stuff um, that there's a certain time limit, like like you say. That 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 book that they had, the songbook, somehow you know at, at some point that wore oh. down to where people could buy it. And I, isn't it like that with music now? Because I know there's stuff you can even like for my show, I can pull stuff back from the 1800s or the yes. early 1900s and not get sued over it. Yeah, and there, it's it's kind of a gray area too because I know when I uh, when I was first uh, doing my I protest show, I did it on the. Uh, uh, truth frequency radio mm-hmm. and uh i play you know i picked the songs that i wanted and one my you know my theme song was tom petty's i won't back down mm-hmm. but then when i went to another outlet uh a couple other outlets after that they were reluctant no we were, were kind of scared of uh copyright violations so I, mm-hmm. I, don't know why, I can't play a snippet of a song so it's it's kind of unclear how that works because these things are out in the popular domain but some the beatles certainly uh if you watch um and i still love to to watch, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Beatles' personality. Still love their mm-hmm. early music, 
So I, I watch any, any documentary or video that comes out about it. I've seen Hard Day's Night, you know, almost as many times I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. You know, I love it. But um, if, if you watch those, the newer ones, they don't, they don't play any Beatles songs. They'll talk and they'll have kind of a jangling guitar sound in the background that's supposed to sound Beatles-esque, but it's not uh -huh. their music. Uh -huh. And it's because they can't use it. So I don't know how you can make a documentary about a group and and not play the music that they're uh, renowned for. But uh, so that's where uh, that's what happens. Uh, you know, and same thing if you go online, like to places, it's hard to find some uh, some songs of Bob Dylan and people like right. that. So the, the right. big acts, uh, for whatever reason, and I don't know if it's if they're watching it that much or their management is or whatever. But um, yeah, it's confusing. It is confusing, you know, and uh, I run into it with this show, you know, because uh, I wouldn't mind having bumper music, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I'm just uh, afraid. And then, then you look at places like TikTok and they've got everything's over there. Everything's over there. Yeah. And, and yeah. what's interesting with that is you might use something from TikTok on, you know, on, on a video and then send it over to YouTube. And the next thing you know, YouTube says, well, there's a copyright issue with this because YouTube doesn't have the same copyright stuff going on the TikTok does. Yeah, I think it's how each platform looks at it. Like I said, that when I uh, I had bumper music at the TFR, but the other places I've been, they felt uncomfortable. Then it's like, like I had to, um, I played a cover version of uh, I Won't Back Down, uh, you know, on because, uh, you know, it was kind of associated with that. And um, that's the best I could do. So I don't really know why that is. It seems to me, especially if you're not playing the entire song, but it's a strange thing because, again, in so many performers, uh, didn't get anything. And I talk about how, um, you know, it's amazing. Some of the big performers that you, you saw that really got very little money out of uh, selling a lot of records. Same thing with, you know, being on television shows and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. 20 years later, they're working in a, you know, they're working. And I, I, in the book I talked about in the last chapter, I thought about fame and, you know, that, you know, theoretically you could, uh, you could be working in an office somewhere and, you know, the, and the, the guy or the woman in the cubicle, you know, next to you or could have been on a TV show. You know, you don't know. Could have played a, somebody's little kid on a show that was only on for a year or two or could have been in a band that had a couple of hit records 50, 60 years ago. You don't know. So it's uh, fame is a, a strange thing, which makes the Beatles and why I'm still drawn to them. I, you know, again, we're having written a book about fame. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, I because uh, my, my definition of fame, it would be. Uh, that if if you are known to any appreciable amount of people that you don't know, mm -hmm. and in that regards, I don't know how big your audience is, but that would that would make you know that would give you a degree of fame. I know that I have lots of people that know me that I don't know that mm -hmm. write to me and everything. So it, so we're you know we're at the lower tiers of things. Right. So we're experiencing it at a very small level, but. If you look at the the way the, the the fame ladder would be, I personally think that the Beatles are the most famous famous people. That mm -hmm. I think they achieved a level of fame that no one else ever has in terms of uh, cultural figures. Mm -hmm. uh, you could you could maybe you know, come up with politicians or something, but um, so that's what makes them I think still fascinating because they are they're larger than life, mm -hmm. and so it makes it especially fun. Uh, when you consider that, well, maybe one of them really isn't the same guy, right? You know, right. He's racist, this makes it. You know, what, what, what if that was true? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Well, it's like Elvis Presley said: it's hard to live up to an image, you know. And these guys had this image early on, and then as as they got older, that that image slowly changed, and, and you know, some people didn't want to change with it. You know what I mean? But it's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to live up to an image. No, it is. And you have certainly Elvis with uh, there's so many theories about him. And, and you know, what, what makes McCartney different is that, you know, you had had and that's why, you know, the, the, the legend of this, would, you know, you think about it. OK, there had lots of people, lots of rock and roll stars had died. First and foremost, Buddy Holly. Right. In a plane crash. And there were no theories that they had faked his death or he had been replaced or any of these other people. So you know, McCartney, I, I, he would have been the most famous one because uh -huh. he was the co-songwriter all the big hits and uh you know co-lead singer so uh certainly it would have been the biggest name but this is he's the only case i can think of where the claim is that he died and uh they're covering it up with a replacement all the other ones that came elvis 
you know, the rumors were that he didn't die and there were okay. sightings everywhere of him, you know, um, the, the two packs of four all the way down to there. No, he didn't right. die. Fake is right. that. So, so, so many people hold on to the Andy Kaufman, the comedian, things like that. But I don't know any other performer where the, the claim is that, you know, he's not alive. He actually died. Right. And he was replaced with a duplicate. So that it stands alone. It's unique. And, um, it, you know, it differs from, although I think it fed those other, or for, you know, Jim Morrison would be the one that, that may have been the first one after, uh, I guess McCartney, because that would have been like 1970 where uh, he faked his death. You know, how do you die of a heart attack at age 27 or whatever? And uh, that kind of thing. But it wasn't that he, you know, actually died and was replaced by a clone. So that's what I think makes this unique and interesting to speculate about. So in McCartney's case, when he was on stage, uh, maybe, you know, maybe your, your research, you don't have to give away too much of your book, but were people, I mean, or people studying like, like, like his mannerisms on stage and stuff to, 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 to kind of as a verification that, 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 that it was a double? I, you know, I haven't heard too much of that, oddly enough. So okay. he must have gotten it down perfect. Uh, but um, although I think there are some theories that say he was naturally right-handed, which again makes <laughs> makes his proficiency even more incredible that he could learn how to play, you know, left hand because he plays. You know, keep in mind McCartney. I, I saw him uh, about uh, 10, 12 years ago in concert, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he plays not only piano but he plays acoustic guitar sometimes on the set. So you. You'd have to be really good. I mean, I play half-ass guitar when I was young, and I, I can't imagine just being able to pick it up and start playing it upside down, left-handed, mm-hmm. just as well. And that's what they would ask you to believe that he did, that he was a natural right-hander. Uh, I haven't heard anything about his manners, but M- McCartney and really all the Beatles were kind of unique. They weren't like Mick Jagger strutting around and doing that floor show that he did. Mm-hmm. None of them really moved much on stage. You know, they kind of, Lennon had that, you know, kind of stationary thing and, and, None of them really did much movement on stage. So uh, he wouldn't have to mimic anything mm-hmm. beyond that. But um, the one of the things that I hear talk about is that uh, Fall is significantly taller. I think it's Fall is significantly taller than the, the original Paul. And I will tell you, I have – it's one of those things I noticed for some reason, probably because I've watched so many Beatle videos. Mm-hmm. And I have wondered – you know, looking at their height, because it seems to Paul and John seem to fluctuate a lot because Ringo's obviously the shortest. George is the second shortest. There's no question about that. But Paul and John, you know, in some pictures, John will be taller and some pictures, Paul will be shorter, taller. And most of the time they look almost exactly the same. So I, I don't, I don't know why that would be, but I don't, I don't really think it's distinguished by, uh, you know, the date, like after 1966, it just kind of always seems that way to me, but that's the theory. I believe it's fall. That's supposed to be taller. And of course, the, his ears are lower or something. I don't know. His, his face isn't as round. I mean, there's something about the eyes. Again, if you analyze things close enough, I guess. And plus, p- people's faces change. Obviously, if you look at John right, Lennon, right. John Lennon, by the time, you know, he, he I think he had a really different look, mm-hmm. you know, about him. And uh, a lot of it may have been drug use and just, you know, natural aging process. His hair was thinning maybe, but uh I, I think that there, you know, you, you can, sometimes you see what you want there, but um, there's a lot of things. And one of the ones I talked about in there was that they've analyzed pictures. Of, I think it's fall. or but One of them has a mole on, on his chest or something. So they were looking at all the photos they could find of Paul without his shirt on. And uh, the later ones doesn't have it or have, whatever it is. It, it, it changed supposedly after 1966 now. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Again, how closely you're going to look at these things. So there's, it's not like there is no evidence. It's not. This isn't based on nothing because there are some strange clues. There's, like in the uh, Sergeant Pepper album where uh, uh, Paul is wearing uh, an armband that says um, it's uh, what is it? Official OPD on it. Now, Fred Labore or somebody said, oh, that means it's kind of uh, uh, the English version of DOA officially pronounced dead. So oh. I remember, oh, yeah, of course. But actually, you know, of course, the 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 establishment view is that, no, no, it's Ontario Police Department. And again, why it would be Ontario, I don't know what Canada had to do with this. So, right. But why was he wearing that to begin with? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so so those are the kind of thing. And then they even went so far as like one of the things is, I think if you if you hold a mirror up 
to the Sergeant Pepper cut. It's very complicated. You have to really work at this. And I, I, I'm too lazy to do it. But uh, if you do it and, and you hold it over your right shoulder or something, if you look at the Ringo's drum set or something at a certain angle, it supposedly in the mirror says, I, I, we die or something like that. So if, again, if these clues were put there, that takes some work to do that. Or it takes people working really hard and they're, you know, who knows, maybe if you do that with a lot of different album covers, you'll find strange things. And it's, Uh it's not, it's like the the license tag and and, the Volkswagen is that's parked in the street on the Abbey road cover. It's, it's got a date. It's got the numbers on it that correspond to how old, think how old Paul would have been if he was still alive or so it's, it's kind of convoluted and it's not even exact because he actually would have been 28 instead of 27 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's a lot of this is like Nostradamus's predictions, you know, like the, 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 the couplet about uh, he says, Hister. Why didn't he just say Hitler? If he knew who it was, you know, he almost, well, he almost got it right. Well, you know, I don't know. You know <laughs> I think you could be more exact than that if you're some kind of a prophet, but uh, so, you know, it's, it's, but it's fun. It's undeniably fun. Just, and this was a fun, this is uh, kind of my most lighthearted book. And um, this, and certainly having Bob Wilson write it with me is uh, great fun because he's a huge Beatles expert. You know, this, he's, he used to host uh, the Beatles show tomorrow never knows. And he knows a lot. He knows all the big Beatles experts and uh, he knows Ivor Davis, who's become a friend of mine and Ivor Davis uh, contributed this book. And Ivor Davis was a, huge journalist in England. And he, um, he covered the Beatles tour firsthand, the 1964 tour, the Beatlemania tour. And he was in the same hotels with them. Uh, he, I don't, I don't know how, how he did with the groupies, but uh, I, I think he might've, uh, <laughs> he might've participated in that as well. So he, he really experienced Beatlemania firsthand, a very fascinating guy and uh, still very sharp as attack. And uh, so Bob has all these great connections and, uh, this was really his idea to do this. And, uh, you know, I said, of course, I'm, I'm on board with what you want to do. I love the Beatles. So let's let's do it. And I was thinking about the difference in height because some men and I know a lot of celebrities do this. They have short man, con- you know, what they call the short man complex. And so some yes. will put lifts in their shoes. So yes. maybe there were times when he would wear lifts. It could be. Yeah. I don't, but I don't I don't even I don't, I don't know what they're. Um, actual heights would have been, I don't, I don't think any of them except Ringo would have been really short enough to uh, require that. I don't know. Yeah. But, but again, it's, it's just, it's a strain and it plays into the, the people saying the heights are varying because at least in pictures, it does look like they vary because you should be able to figure out who's, I mean, a lot of times people are about the same height and I think that's probably what it was in reality. They're about the same height, but mm-hmm. Maybe just different angles make them look taller or something. But um, you, if you look at Beatles pictures closely, you'll see uh, who's taller, John or Paul. I can't figure it out. And uh, that plays into those who say, oh, yes, he has height change because it's a different person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how hard was it to uh, do your research for this book? Well, this is you know, <laughs> uh, not as anywhere near the, as hard as the research is for any of my other books. This this was really a, a, a fun book to write and it was an easy book to write because most of the book, I mean, you know, I wrote a lot, pretty long introduction and a closing thing. Uh, but uh, most of it is um, the interviews with the different people, a lot of them celebrities and uh, people that are connected to the mu- the musical music industry and lots of Beatle experts. And one of the people we have is, is the Beatles barber. So we have the guy that cut the Beatles' hair. I mean, talk about it. <laughs> an iconic, yeah, he cut the most famous hair in the world. And uh, so people like that. Uh, so it's, you basically, you know, we we can't, Bob, you know, came up with the questions for these people and uh, they answered them. Some of them, you know, some of them short and briefly, some of them much longer. Mm-hmm. And uh, older people especially might recognize some of the names, that, you know, that had, uh, you know, that uh, were, most of them are like my friends on Facebook and everything. And I've kind of gotten some kind of a communicated with many of them for on barred fame. So uh, they run because just about everybody loves the Beatles. You know, I mean, it's just, it's hard to find people from that era, baby boomer types that didn't love the Beatles. I mean, there were a few that said I wasn't interested. They weren't interested. Kind of surprised me, but um, most everybody was on board. So it was, it was just a question of asking them, asking, you know, sending them the questions and the questions were pretty much, the same for almost everybody, a little bit different for some, but, and uh, it was just, you know, was compiling their answers. So 
compared to the books I normally write where, uh, you know, I have, I have a, you know, a research team that helps me a lot on that. Sure. Um, didn't really need to, to do that for this book. So it's uh, it, the, the book kind of wrote itself and it's just, it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Was there anything you came across in your research that kind of shocked you that, that, that you didn't know about? Well, I didn't know, um, I didn't know that Fred Labor was uh, generally credited with with starting it, and then I think it kind of <laughs> it kind of begs the question if he's he's saying he got interested because he heard a caller talking into a radio station talking about it. Right. My first question would be, well, wait a minute, you know, well, who's the caller, and where did he hear it? You know, so so that's you know, again, as as a as a paranoid guy, sometimes I'm asking these questions and I I'm thinking, okay, well, what. Uh, what's up with that? You know, where did this begin? I mean, who, who called into that station? Because he, this guy is given credit and I think it's undeniable. He did, you know, like the, the, the walrus and the, the well similar death and all that. He, and he noticed some of these things that people uh, hadn't noticed before. But uh, to me that I think that's, uh, you know, where did it begin? Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we really don't know because I mean, and there's so many myths, like, you know, the, the, the idea is that uh, McCartney was in an accident and it's, um, it's detailed in gruesome fashion that he would supposedly he was decapitated, but you know, that goes back to Jane Mansfield, you know, that's the right. legend of her being decapitated and she wasn't decapitated, but that's the myth that's prevailed. Mm-hmm. People, I guess, like to get ghoulish, but uh, supposedly he was with a girl or at least initially. Mm-hmm. And uh, the girl's name was Rita. And later, supposedly that was the inspiration for lovely Rita, the song but of course, the you know the the generic explanation is that McCart the fall or whoever it was you know said he he was given a you know a ticket by a a meter maid that he thought was cute, mm-hmm. and uh, so he wrote a song about her. And I think he I, I don't know if her name was actually Rita. He just gave her that name. But the people that believe in this say no, no, no. It was uh, that was the name of the of the woman that was in the accident? So who does? And there's there's so many lyrics. You know, if you listen to a day in the life, which is you know one of Lennon's really great later songs, most of it anyhow, McCartney wrote the, the middle eight, the upbeat part, but mm-hmm. uh, when Lennon's talking about, you know, he blew his mind out in the car and, you know, that it, it, it's it, a lot of people thought, I know what I, you know, was hearing. And I, once I heard about this legend, I'm thinking, well, he's, he's talking about McCartney blew his mind out in the car. And he's, he's, he, what is he talking about? Other than that, he seems to really be, you know, and, and then McCartney, in the middle of the song, suddenly like rises from the dead, woke up, get out of bed, run, run, run. <laughs> and it's uh, so it's a great song, obviously one of one of the one of, maybe their greatest achievement. But um, a lot of people can read that. I mean, I remember even I didn't even discuss it in the book, but I remember hearing things like "Come Together," you know, one of Lennon's last big hits of the Beatles uh, that he was writing in the voice of Paul, "Come Together Over Me." you know, in, in, you know, that you're bearing me or something. Cause the lyrics kind of are weird come together over me. What, what are you talking about there? You know, but uh, mm-hmm. so there's a way once you, once you know this, that it's out there, then you start analyzing the lyrics in a different way and you can, you can really interpret them, uh, you know, to, to, to believe that Paul is dead. If you look at it that way. I just find this interesting, you know, this, this whole thing. Cause I know I grew up hearing about, you know, him being dead, and, and it, it just struck me as just, oh, even as a young kid, because you're wondering, well, how could they pull this off if, if that's what happened? Yeah, no, it's, it's it, it's obviously still continues to fascinate people, and um, it's, the, the Beatles held a, held a fascination for, and even today, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with also that um, I run into a lot of, uh, cause I have a lot of younger people that listen to me and, and read my books and uh, very, well, I guess there are some older people. Most of the people I hear from are younger and um, a lot of them like the kind of music that was popular in the sixties and seventies. A lot of them like the Beatles and, you know, they weren't even born, you know, when the Beatles came out. And uh, so it's, um, and I think that's because the music industry as it, as it was, as it existed from the 19, 19- rock and roll when it came out in the fifties from the fifties through maybe the eighties, uh, that, that music industry is dead. It doesn't uh-huh. exist anymore. I mean, I don't even, I guess they're still top 40, but everything with Spotify and, uh-huh. uh, down and, th- and those artists, you know, even Taylor Swift, you know, she, she has to sell so many millions of things on Spotify to make any money, even the biggest names. 
it's not like it was uh, back then, but I think that the music, and I, I you know, I don't want to, you know, sound like uh, it was better in my day, but uh, yeah. I think it really was. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know even know what the music is now. I'll listen to that. I'm not even sure what songs or hits is there album rock now i i don't i don't think so i don't think there is any rock if you turn on the grammys it's all i, I don't even know what that is mm-hmm. it's um you know uh what do you call it uh rihanna or beyonce or whatever these yeah, ones that keep yeah, giving yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I don't know what that is but it's not rock and roll to me right. and um so i think because of that if you, you so many young people um uh, listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Beach Boys, uh, the biggest acts back then, they're like, wow, that's, that sounds different. And they, I think they recognize there's something, there's a higher quality mm-hmm. there. And so I think that's why um, when you talk to you, I mean, there's lots of young people that I, I all the time, they wanted me to have uh, before I, uh, Bob Wilson ever um, came up with the idea for this book. I had, I did have one of the guys on my show about the Sage of Quay. My, and I had, I included him in this book to provide the other side mm-hmm. to talk about, you know, the, uh, in a rational way. Okay. Why do you believe this? And what are the clues and everything? But I had him on to discuss something else, but people, I used to have people in my chat room telling me all the time, you know, you gotta, this guy's great on Paul is dead. Or I somehow I'd mentioned the Beatles for some reason and they go, McCartney's dead. They, and most of the people in that world, the conspiracy type world, a lot of them believe that. And, mm-hmm. uh, but they're mostly young. These are people that, you know, were, would have been born after McCartney supposedly died. So right. I don't know why they're so interested in it, but I think it's because the Beatles and that, that era of music, it endures because it's something, uh, you know, three guitars and a drum set, sometimes a piano or an organ it's different than what you're getting now. I'm not sure what you're getting in that, you know, whether it's, you know, it's all uh, synthesized or music. It's, it just sounds completely different to me. And I think there's an appeal still, the music appeals to people. And if the music appeals to them, they're probably be more interested in the personality. So if they still like listening to music that McCartney was a part of, sure. They may be interested in, wow, is that really him? What happened to him? Cause it's, it's, a, you know, it's an intriguing thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, what's next for you? <laughs> well, uh, well, I just put out another book at the time. This is you talked about almost simultaneously with the Beatles book. I put out a book about COVID, and uh, it's going to be very controversial. <laughs> it's called "Masking the Truth," and uh, I've been doing lots and lots of interviews about that. And uh, that I'm also not writing another book about uh, uh, the JFK assassination, which I write a lot about. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be you know yet another book on that, and I'm hoping. I'm writing that with Bob Wilson and another co-author. Uh, most of the time I write solo, but uh, this one we're collaborating on, and we hope to have that out by the uh, by November, by the 60th anniversary of the assassination. And I've got another hidden history volume. This will be my third volume. That's that's hanging out there, and uh, I think it's going to be published. I'm still waiting to hear from the publisher on that. But I, I never I never lack for writing something. I'm always writing something. So uh, I'll I probably have two more. I hope two more books out this year, which will put it mm-hmm. at 10. So, um, you know, that's, uh, it, it's, uh, I, I'm, it, I never, I don't get uh, writer's block. Let's put it that way ever. <laughs> Let me ask you this. And so, sometimes I ask guests this, sometimes I don't. You're on a, on the strip in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And there's some people, you, know, you have your Beatles book in your hand. And there's other people that have books on the Beatles, you know, and, and maybe Paul, you know, Paul, Paul's death as well. What do you, what do you say that will make your book stand out so people will get it? Interesting. Well, uh, I, I would stress the, uh, the people that comment on it because it's really not, it's not my opinion. I mean, I, I make it clear in the book that, that both Bob and I, uh, we don't think that mm-hmm. Paul's dead, although I'm more open to it than Bob probably. But um, cause again, I, I discount, very few things, you know, I can believe anything, uh, you know, if, if you show me the evidence, but I guess so far, I think the evidence is uh, lacking and you'd, you'd have to come up with something else there. But I, so I would tell the people, look, this is, this presents an overview on it, but it will give you the background of lots of music industry insiders, people that uh, played with McCartney, knew him, somebody like Ivor Davis that toured with the Beatles, knew all the Beatles. I mean, Sally Kirkland, the actress, I mean, she, she officiated at uh, Ringo's. She knows Ringo Starr very well. She officiated at Ringo Starr's bodyguard's wedding. She was like a, a reverend. 
so it's it's kind of insiders like that. John Probos, who played Timmy on Lassie, who talked about mm-hmm. you know being a teenager and going and watch go seeing the Beatles live in concert, and he wasn't the only one. So people like that that are uh, I think that uh, I think it gives you a, a unique perspective because these are all people in the entertainment world that are you know they're so do any do any of them believe it's possible and you'll just have to read the book to find that out <laughs> absolutely how do people find you sir well i write regularly at substack uh, i i have a hard time on social media being what's called shadow band but my substack is growing it's a the biggest free speech platform uh, i believe on the internet now it's donaldjeffries.substack.com it's called i protest you can find out uh more about the beatles book there about my other book covid and uh my upcoming books and uh it's that's where I tell people to go. I also have a website, donaldjeffries.media, where you can find out more about my weekly podcast, I Protest, and uh, mm-hmm. also about my other books uh, in uh, my old blog, where I have an archive about 10 years back there, where uh, articles and uh, things like that. I'm published. I'm published on Lou Rockwell. I'm published on Naomi Wolf's blog, Daily La- mm-hmm. Cloud. So if you Google me or search for me, you'll probably find out more than you would want to know. <laughs> fantastic thank you for coming on tonight i really appreciate it this was fantastic and uh, well, i i learned that it was great talking back and forth with you well thanks i appreciate you having me. thank you maybe we'll get you on you know for something else i mean you've got all these books why not right i uh, just look through them anything you want to talk about I'd, I'd be happy to do that thanks all right sounds great well you have a good rest of your evening okay thanks take care okay bye-bye all right, that was really fascinating. I, I learned a lot. You know, uh, I know a little bit about the about the music industry. I don't know a lot, but you know, I know a little bit. I read a lot. Anyway, uh, I wanted to thank him again for coming on, and I want to thank all of you for listening tonight. That was an interesting topic. Tomorrow is kind of like a hodgepodge. Uh, I, I, I nobody booked for tomorrow night, so I'm make, trying to make the decision: Do I read our, you know, that 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 haunted book tomorrow night? Or do we just sit down and talk about stuff? Because I've been doing, you know, I mentioned last night on the show about Splash Mountain at, at Disneyland closing. And I, I kind of been doing a lot of research on that. And I didn't, there's a lot of stuff I didn't realize that that goes on behind the scenes with that, just to handle that ride. And so maybe we can talk about that tomorrow. I, I, I don't know. You know, we'll see how I, how, how I feel in the morning and, and how I'm going to do this. But uh, either way, I'll, I'll be here live at 630 <laughs> one way or another. And uh, we'll have something cool to talk about. Okay, I'm just gonna—I'll just tell you that. All right. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio, and we're just trying to get the word out. Just like when you're listening to the show, if if you have family or, or friends that, that that are in the proximity with you, and you say, "Hey, here's this little show. Check check them out. Check them out." That's what we want because we're trying to get more people on board, more and more people on board. And again, if you watch from Facebook tonight. And uh, you like what you heard? Please, you know, please leave us a, a heart or or like or or whatever you can leave to uh, get us up in that algorithm. Okay, especially if you liked it. Okay, you know, just, just keep keep us out that uh, that 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 algorithm pattern. Same thing with YouTube. You know, please please, please do that. Hit the likes and whatnot. And also, if you haven't subscribed already at YouTube and, and and you think you might want to, please feel free to do that. But if you want to take a look and you know at, at the rest of the shows I've done. Take a look at those. You're more than welcome to check those out. Same thing with Facebook. You know, follow us, right? You know, if you like what you hear, because again, you know, we're we're broadcasting Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and all these other places, and and it's it's just crazy. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, again, thank you guys. Thank you everybody very much for coming, and I will see you tomorrow at 6:30 p.m. And here is his information before I sign off. And here we go. Okay, websites, donaldjeffries.media, that's all lowercase, donaldjeffries.substack.com, Jeffries YouTube channel, donaldjeffries.wordpress.com, and twitter.com forward slash donaldjeffries. And of course, the book is The Beetle with the, with the pink book cover. And you've got Bullocracy. Uh, crimes and cover-ups in American politics. Survival of the richest and the unreals.
you got Hidden History and On Borrowed Fame as well. And those are always, as always, available at Amazon.com. Also, before I before I sign off, I still want to remind you guys about the the uh, psychic protection class on uh, Saturday, June 10th at 1 p.m. Pacific. Again, I'm going to be teaching ways that you can pr carry protection on on yourself via things like medicine bags and and, ta and talisman and maybe, maybe a bracelet, you know, still a, a protection stone bracelet, or even a candle. You know, some candles, uh, certain candles uh, that, that you can burn in your home can can you know, create protection for you as well. But that's what we're going to be looking at on, on the, uh, whoa, boy, I'm losing it, huh? On the 10th of June. So come over to the California Haunts uh, meetup page and, and check that out, okay? Because I, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll like the class. Okay, that being said, I am out of here. You guys have a great evening. I will see you tomorrow one way or another at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, see ya.